is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. We've got so much to dive into in so little time. Okay, where do we begin? All right, let's begin local, okay? Let's begin with Adam Fox. Congratulations to him. He wins the Norris Trophy. He's only the second goaltender ever to do it in his first three years, along with Bobby Orr. And I think they got this one right, but I'm still shocked. Because I remember having a conversation with Dave Maloney during the season, and I said, Dave, he's he's got the stats. He's got the stats to at least be a candidate for the Norris Trophy. And Dave was a little dubious. Like, listen, you look at the reputation of some of the guys he's going to be going up against. And this is early in the in the um in the season where, you know, Chickering was having a, a tremendous year, and of course what, what Dougie Hamilton was doing. And there were guys that just had uh, higher reputations that Adam Fox that really kind of surprised everybody, including Ranger fans. I don't think anybody thought that he was going to be this good this fast. And I was um, I was just pleasantly surprised he was even a candidate. But I felt statistically that he was the best. He was leading defenseman in points, leading defenseman in plus minus, and doing it on a team that was not a playoff team. McCarr did it on uh, the Avalanche, who won the President's Trophy. Hedman was doing it on Tampa, who was the defending Stanley Cup champions. And I really thought that Fox deserved major consideration. So going into the award... I was wondering whether he would actually get it. And then Vegas had him the favorite. And I remember talking to Anthony Pusick, our producer, saying, I'm a little surprised by that. I figured it was going to be Hedman. And it turned out that Hedman finished third. And they actually got it right. So they put reputation aside, and they gave it to the guy that deserved it the most. And give the writers a lot of credit, because it wasn't like they were watching Fox a lot. Again, uh, the, the the Rangers were not a, a great superior team. You were stuck kind of covering your own division, right? So it wasn't like an 82-game schedule where he went and played in every building in the NHL and everybody got a chance to see him live. But they did get it right, and statistically, he belongs. So this is significant, really. When you think about the Rangers and their build, you know they already got Keandre Miller, who they believe is going to be a big-time defenseman in this league. they got tons of young talent, and they're building it around Fox. Fox kind of reminds me a little bit of Jacob deGrom in the sense that you, you were waiting for all these great defensemen. I mean, you know, D'Angelo was there at the time before, you know, he ended up being waived by the Rangers and then eventually, you know, you know, going to be dealt away. And, and then you look at, um, you know, Miller, you were kind of waiting on him. And, you know, Fox was a guy that you were, you were waiting on. You thought that he was going to be good, but I don't think anybody thought he'd be the best defenseman on the team. And kind of like Jacob deGrom. Jacob deGrom was, well, you got Blake Wheeler coming up. Uh, not Blake Wheeler. I got my hockey mind going. Uh, Zach Wheeler. And you had uh, Harvey. And you weren't really thinking about deGrom. Uh, you liked him. You thought maybe he had a chance to make it. He ends up being the best pitcher in baseball. And now Fox gets awarded as the best defenseman in the NHL. When I don't think a lot of Ranger fans had him the best defenseman on the team at the start of the year. And, and this is no fluke. He is a terrific, terrific player. And he is going to have a, a, be, be a lot of fun to watch. So I'm glad they got that right. They got it right with Connor McDavid winning the Hart Trophy. A little surprised about Flurry winning the Vesna. Uh, this might have been, and this is voted on by the general manager, so maybe there's a little sentimentality there. Last chance for him maybe to win this. He had never won it before, despite being a really good goaltender, a Stanley Cup caliber goaltender, and probably looked upon as one of the two, three best goaltenders of his generation. And I think there was a little sentimentality that went into it. So I don't really have that much of a problem with it. I would have given it to Vasilevsky for sure. 
Um, Grubauer had a tremendous year as well. But congratulations to Mark andre Fleury for landing that award. And that's okay. He's had a tremendous career. And every once in a while, if you do you know, lead with your heart instead of your head on some of these awards, especially when the guy that many people thought was going to get it has already won a Vesna trophy, and considering Fleury's going to be 37 years old, who knows where the future lies for him with Vegas or anybody else that getting a Vesna trophy on um, – his resume, I think, is a, is a really, a really good idea, so I don't have a problem with that at all. Uh, the other topic of conversation, of course, is Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final tonight in Tampa. Don't get too roped into what happened in Game 1. Remember, that was that was a competitive game midway through, 2-1. Uh, it was a bad third period for the Canadians. Tampa's going to do that to you. First time Montreal's lost a Game 1 in these playoffs. But there's something about the Canadiens, and some of it's kind of a little luck, too, as we find out that Kalorn's not going to play in this game for Tampa. Yet another injury to the Montreal Canadiens opponent that could work to the advantage of the Canadiens. Of course, the Tavares injury in Game 1, the Shifley suspension in Round 2, uh, the Stevenson injury in the uh, third round, and now no Kalorn in Game 2. You know, that's a guy that gets a chance to play on the top line, and he is a, a, a kind of forgotten, underrated player with so many deep forwards. So, you know, listen, Kucherov was on one leg at one Game 7 against the Islanders, so I don't, I'm not saying it's crippling to Tampa by any stretch, but still some shuffling is going to have to happen. Looks like Joseph going to come into the lineup for Tampa so they're going to have their their depth kind of tested here and maybe the Canadians can can muster something here and get this series even before they go back to Montreal on Friday so we'll pay very very close attention to that but certainly the Canadians have to play better uh, play a little bit more disciplined and just try to get some shots on goal right I mean everybody forgets and we were reminded in game seven against the Islanders just how shut down Tampa can be and how all of their forwards are so defensively responsible, which is really a credit to John Cooper because it's so easy to kind of just go flying out there with all the skill that they have, but they can really shut you down. And the Canadians went a long stretch of time, you know, 12, 13 shots on goal and just did not perform and give you the offense that you kind of need. They ended up finishing with 19 shots on goal. That's just not going to get it done. And listen, the Lightning scored five times on 27 shots. And and let's face it, the Canadians won goal, you know, ping-ponged off of how many different players before it found the back of the net. Did make the game 2-1, however, so you cannot rule out the possibility of the Canadians hanging in. It was a 2-1 game going to the third period. They played one really bad third defensively, and it ended up looking worse than I think it really was. So a Kalorn out, good chance for the Canadians to get this even, series even at one game apiece. It's only five times in the history of the Stanley Cup Final has a team been able to overcome a 2 nothing deficit to win a series. The last time it happened was in 2011 when Vancouver blew the 2 nothing lead and Boston came back and won in seven. So Montreal, if they were to fall behind two games to none, it would probably be lights out. I don't think they're capable of being able to go out there and win four of the next five games to win the Cup. And it's still even going to be tough if they get the split tonight uh, of being able to win a best-of-five series against Tampa. But it would be nice just to see the Canadians muster a victory and, and, and get some juice going into the series uh, for Friday when the series goes back to Montreal. But it should be a lot of fun. Uh, the other topic of conversation is... Uh, the release, ESPN released their talent for the upcoming uh, season and some really good people that I've gotten to know over the years. And, and I wanted to recognize some of the people that I know 
personally that I, I'm loving the chance that they're going to be working for the company that I work for. And some of them already work for the company, like Bob Wischusen. Very underrated hockey guy, Bob, because you know he did Rangers uh, for a long time, backing up Kenny Albert. Matter of fact, Bob's exit from the Rangers opened the door for me. Uh, Bob was getting a lot more college basketball and football opportunities with ESPN and just was not available to back up Kenny. So when he left, I was given the opportunity to audition and get the backup to Kenny's job, which was tremendous because, you know, Kenny takes off a lot. So I get to do a lot of games there. And now Bob will be doing hockey for the first time in a while, doing it on television. Great guy. Talked to him this morning to congratulate him. He's really excited about it. Um, looking forward to that. So congratulations to his shoes and already on the roster, now getting a chance to work um, at ESPN. Leah Hextall, of course, we kind of hinted about it when we had her on a couple of weeks ago. We couldn't officially announce it, but she's a friend of game misconduct and Leah got the chance to do play-by-play a bunch of times up in Canada got a chance to do it for Sportsnet a few years ago I think it was Calgary versus Vegas when they had a all-woman staff a woman play-by-play analyst I think she did it with Cassie Campbell Pascal and and then an entire director producer graphics and and she did a great job she killed it and she's been she worked at ESPN during the World Cup of Hockey back in 2016 so that's an excellent hire as well I brought up Cassie I got to know Cassie a lot, you know, covering the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, she got, was she was assigned to Rangers Senators back in the day, and I got a chance to really work with her there. And of course, she's an analyst up in uh, Calgary for the Flames. So whenever I'm up there in Western Canada, get a chance to talk to him. We become good friends. I'm really excited to have her join ESPN. So she's a tremendous talent. That's a great opportunity for her as well. Kevin Weeks, also a friend of Game Misconduct, locked down as an analyst. Uh, Kevin really knows how to break down the game, of course, doing the Stanley Cup final for NHL International with EJ Raddick, and I think he's a terrific asset. Great um, guy, good goaltender in the National Hockey League, has been at it for a long time, thinks the game very intellectual when it comes to hockey, so looking forward uh, to um, getting a chance to, uh, to work with Kevin Weeks down the road. Hopefully he'll be available for game misconduct working here at ESPN. Kevin Weeks, just a tremendous, tremendous guy. Looking forward to talking to him. Sean McDonough, who I got to know a little bit uh, through ESPN, but also got a chance to meet and talk to him extensively because he was such good friends with David Quinn and he actually flew down from Boston for David Quinn's press conference when he was introduced at Madison Square Garden and talked to him about Monday Night Football. He had just left Monday Night Football at the time and a good all-around broadcaster and maybe not known as much for hockey, but did college hockey for a long time, did the Bruins for a long time too. So that's an excellent hire to be the lead analyst for ESPN. Of course, you know Levy and Butchergrass and their work and Linda Cohn, who's been a friend of game misconduct and she's going to be doing it in the crease. That's a, that's a great hire as well. And of course, our our friend Rick DiPietro uh, getting an opportunity as well. Of course, you listen to him on DCR from 5 to 8 in the morning on 9870 ESPN New York. He's been on the, the podcast a few times as well. So uh, congratulations to all those people getting you know tremendous opportunities to be a part of the ESPN team. Great to have hockey back here with ESPN. I think they're going to do a great job. And of course, they're still putting together hirings over at TNT. We know the lead analysts are going to be Kenny Albert and Eddie O. Oh, Brian Boucher also joining ESPN as well. We should also throw that out really Really good guy as well. So good hires all around by ESPN and can't wait to get the season started. Should be a tremendous amount of fun. All right, let's hear from you at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. A lot of people chomping at the bit to talk about all the things that are happening. And let's get started with Don L, who says, Hey, Don, since the NHL will be done with NBC after the finals, 
How do you feel about the entry draft for the Seattle Kraken and the 2021 NHL draft will be on ESPN? See, here's how it's working out. The contract with NBC said that they were going to handle the expansion draft and the draft, and that was going to be how they were going to finish it up. But because the Olympics got moved to 2021, they didn't have the availability for the program. So ESPN is going to jump on board for the expansion draft and for the actual draft. But the expansion draft's going to be fun, right? Because I think what happened with Vegas and all the players they collected and then immediately went to the Stanley Cup Final that first year, I think there's going to be a lot of interest. A lot of good players are going to be available. The format has not changed all that much from when they did it the um, the first time. And it really looks like um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So ESPN will be all over that. Now, um, Tony says, with Tarasenko rumors of a trade out there, what would be the best fit for him? I could see the Islanders going after him. That's a, I don't know how it works with the cap. They're really up against it. Now, Lou is very creative with the cap, but you're going to have to make some very difficult decisions to be able to bring in a Tarasenko. Uh, that's why I'm not sure Eichel works with Buffalo. There's a you know, Listen, Tarasenko's a really good player. There's a lot of different places that he could fit for sure. We hinted at it with EJ back on Monday, how Detroit's open for business because they're one of the teams that have a lot of cap space, right? So they're going to be bringing in a lot of players that are going to be on expiring contracts and hoping to get prospects to alleviate some of the cap problems for other teams. So I'm not sure how it's all going to work out there, but they're also very interested in getting players that they plan on keeping. So could Tarasenko be a pet destination for Detroit? What's Vegas's situation? That's a team that was a little light uh, scoring some goals. So um, a lot of rumors that Dunn might get moved out of St. Louis, so maybe that'll work to keep Tarasenko there. Uh, I think there's a lot of good fits. He's a really, really good player. Um, L says, hey, Don, do you think Flurry getting the Vesna was kind of bogus? Vasilevsky was better this season, finished higher in heart voting, and was named first-team All-Star. Was Flurry given a Lifetime Achievement Award? I think he was. I really do, and that's why I don't have much of a problem with it. First of all, he, he, he belonged to be a candidate. He was good all year. It was a tremendous story. He was on the trade block in the summer, stuck around with Vegas, and, and he got him to uh, the third round of the playoffs. So, uh, listen, I, I, I don't get too caught up in, in, in a lot of the awards unless somebody's really jobbed. Yeah, Vasilevsky probably deserved it. He's won it already. If it ends up being a Lifetime Achievement Award, is it the worst thing in the world? Uh, let's go to Tommy. He says, which Lightning player would you say deserves the Con Smythe more, Braden Point or Nikita Kucherov? Kuch has more points, but Point has more goals and plays center. I know it can also be Vasilevsky, but just wanted to consider the skaters. It's between those two, right? But when you look at the numbers Kucherov is putting off, uh, putting up, that if he ends up having a, a decent rest of the series, you're looking at you know one like the third greatest point producer in postseason history uh, outside of Wayne Gretzky and then the one year Mario Lemieux had in 1992. So you're talking about the greats of the game, and he's right up there. So Kucherov probably gets the nod. Well, we'll see how it goes the next at least three games of this series. But Point came within a game of break of tying the record for consecutive games with a goal, and he has been tremendous as well. I would say it's probably between those two um let's see <coughs> um science says hey don adam fox just became the second player in nhl history to win the norris in one of his first two years in the league following only or is he already one of the best stars you've seen play on a new york team can he become an all-timer thanks well why not i mean brian leach was the last 
uh, Ranger goal, uh, Ranger defenseman to win the Vesna of uh, the win the Norris Trophy. He did it twice. Harry Howell's another one, and his numbers up in the rafters. Yeah, it's that kind of player. Now, I like how it all rolls out, health, how good the Rangers are going to be. You know, all a lot of things that that, that are beyond his control um, can happen here. It's still in the infancy of his career, but. Uh, everything kind of rolls through him. He, he has everything the Rangers have looked for since Leach's prime. And he, I think a lot's going to go around him. Listen, you got Panarin, you got Zabanajad, But a defenseman in this league is so huge, right? <laughs> Excuse me. You build up the middle in the NHL uh, with centers, with the uh, goaltenders, and with defensemen. And, and, and Fox is definitely going to be the star. We were kind of toying on the uh, the K-Show of the best athletes in New York. And Adam Fox would have to be considered there. Now, is he KD? Is he Kyrie? Is he Harden? Is he DeGrom? You know, he's got, those guys are established, been good for a long, long time. Maybe not in New York, but in other places, especially with the Nets. But, I mean, Fox has to enter that conversation because of just how important he is. Uh, Chris says, there are reports on Twitter that the Flyers are strongly pursuing Seth Jones. Is Philadelphia a realistic landing spot for Jones? And would um, Myers, Konecki, and the 13th overall pick be enough in a trade? Hmm. All right, think about that if you're the Blue Jackets, right? You are getting a defenseman in return. You're getting a really good forward in return and a 13th overall pick. That's a pretty that he, that's a pretty good package when you don't have a lot of leverage because it's already known Seth isn't going to re-sign there. So that takes some of their leverage away because it doesn't look like they're ever going to be able to keep him. And you get him for the year, and if he goes to Philadelphia, Philadelphia is obviously a place where I would think he'd want to be. Seth Jones is a tremendous player who grew up a hockey fan because his dad played in Denver, of course, uh, Popeye Jones, played basketball in Denver and, and followed the avalanche and fell in love with hockey there. But, you know, his two places have been Nashville and Columbus, and, and to go to a place like Philadelphia, I think there's a very good possibility. There are going to be a lot of suitors. There are going to be a lot of different packages that I think Columbus is going to be able to choose from. But the one that you just offered there, that isn't bad. Now, Dick says, how much of the series comes down to Price being able to uh, to hard – carry if if it seems like Tampa has way more weapons and firepower than the Habs well you could have said the same thing about Toronto because said the same thing about Winnipeg and maybe not Vegas but still with Pacioretty and Stone and Tuck and Marsha show those guys probably leap to mind a lot more than some of the Montreal Canadians you can think of yeah it, listen it's about Carey Price right there's only so much the Canadians are going to be able to do to shut down this kind of firepower. This team is way better than any of the three teams that Montreal has beaten. From goalie, defenseman, through the forwards, they're the best team. Vegas was close, but obviously the way they played showed you they're not quite there yet. And Toronto's a mess in the postseason, but still tons of talent. They just haven't been able to figure it all out yet. But they don't have the blue line that Tampa has. So yeah, Price has to stand on his head. He just has to. And he made some amazing saves early in Game 1, but I do not see a scenario in which the Canadians are going to get a sniff in this series if you get an average or just a very good carry Price. You're going to have to see an unbelievable carry Price uh, to be able to get um, to get this team to move on to their first Stanley Cup since 1993. All right, we had a lot of fun today. Um, Want to hear from me? Uh, best way to do that is at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Game two tonight, 8 o'clock. 
And I'm really looking forward uh, to just seeing if Montreal can find a way to get back into this series and how cool it would be. NBC Sports, that's the destination. And then we'll move on to NBC for game three of the series coming up on Friday. (laughs) Excuse me. And speaking of Friday... That's when the next game misconduct is going to be. So you want to get in touch with me at Don LaGreca. Enjoy game two. Hopefully we get an even series and have a lot of fun to set you up uh, for the weekend. And listen, it's one thing to have hockey on Memorial Day weekend, but to be talking hockey during 4th of July, kind of crazy. There'll be no games between Friday and Monday, but still that's kind of cool that we're going to get some hockey this deep into the summer. And we're talking hockey, and it's like literally 100 degrees outside in some areas of the country, especially here in the tri-state area. So I will talk to you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.